Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 15, Chapter 7, Part 2 June sat before the breed feed holding pen, watching the two children that were left sleep. She'd been told earlier that the others didn't make it through the storm, that no one bothered to bring them inside, leaving them exposed to the power of the wasteland. The two that were left looked bruised and battered, blood smearing their faces and the rags they wore as clothes. One of the children, a boy of maybe eight or nine, with a malformed skull and no nose, just a hole in the center of his face, stirred fitfully in his sleep fighting nightmares. Mitch! Mitch! Masters! The voice yelled. Masters stirred uneasily, his head feeling like a ten-ton hangover had taken up residence and died. He could hear other voices, thoughts, sounds, and from what his hazy brain could tell, they were all dead voices, thoughts, sounds, except for the one yelling at him. I must be in hell! Masters thought. Pain, torture, mental anguish, strange voices and sounds. Yep, that would be hell. Masters, wake the fuck up! The voice shouted louder. Maddie? Is that you? Masters asked. Yes! I knew I'd end up in hell, but never thought you would. You're not in hell, dumbass, Matthew said. Somehow you are joined with a dead mech's consciousness, one of the thinkers. So am I. That's how we're communicating. Matthew could feel Masters' mind slowly wake up, but it was far from coherent. Masters groaned. I know you said a lot of words just then, but uh, all I heard was blah 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 blah. How's about you uh, make some sense? Where are you, Masters? Matthew asked, growing annoyed. I'm in hell, Jespers. It's where the wicked go when they die. You aren't in hell, Matthew roared. Ow. No more yelling, please. 
June didn't move as the village went quiet for the night. She just watched the children sleep, taking solace in the sad fact that they could find some comfort in their lives, even if for only a few hours a night. Come on, stop gawking at the lunch, the boss growled behind her. No, June stated flatly. The boss stared down at her for a second. I'm sorry, I thought you just told me no, but that can't be right, could it? Kill me where I sit, but I'm not going back to your room, June said. So fuck off. He is not the smartest of the pilots, is he? Shiner asked. Whoa, who the fuck said that? Masters asked, startled by the new voice in his head. That's Shiner, he's my new mech. Matthew felt Shiner bristle. Or we are a new mech. Together. It's complicated. What matters now is that you need to focus. You need to tell me where you are. Masters grunted and opened his eyes. He was in a mech cockpit and facing a cliff face. He knew that. Not a fucking clue. Matthew took a deep mental breath. Okay, let's start at the beginning. You just don't get how things run around here, do you? The boss laughed. What I say goes. There ain't no options. Yeah, I think after tonight I could give a shit. June turned and stood facing the boss, nearly eye to eye. Didn't realize he was that short, she thought. Listen, kill me if you want. I don't fucking care anymore. My people aren't looking for me. I know that. I hurt someone back there. I hurt them bad. So kill me now so I can leave this shithole and never have to see your fucking face again. Are you in a mech? Matthew asked Masters. The memories of the Hillstomper attack, his mental battle with the mech, the waste storm, all converged at once. Yeah, and it's a big fucker, too. We were... Masters trailed off for a second. Fuck! Jay and the Rookie! Running on instinct, Masters backed the mech up away from the cliff and turned it about. He checked his readings for damage, but found the mech to be in fine order, even with his attack. Whoa, slow down, Mitch. What about Jay and the rookie? Matthew asked, hopeful. You know where they are? The boss stared at June for a moment, then busted out laughing. He doubled over, tears streaming down his cheeks. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got me. He struggled to regain his composure, but just laughed harder. June watched the madman, puzzled. The boss, clutching his stomach in pain, finally stopped laughing. Wiping the tears from his eyes, he straightened and put a hand on June's shoulder. She slapped it away and took a step back, bumping into someone. Hey there, sweet stuff, Chunks growled in her ear. June whirled around and the last thing she saw before the darkness was Chunks' fist. Hey, this thing isn't fighting me anymore, Masters exclaimed, piloting the mech to the collapsed cave mouth. Yes, that's because I am talking to your mech AI. Assuring it you mean it no harm, Shiner responded. What? Huh? Mech AI? Who the fuck are you? Masters demanded. Matthew sighed. We don't have time for that. Where are Jay and the Rookie? Buried under a couple of tons of rock, that's where, Masters answered. He tried to scan the cave-in, but his sensors wouldn't respond. Shit, I'm blind. If I start digging, I could make it worse and crush them. 
China and the Hill Stomper AI exchanged data and information at a rate that forced Matthew to pull back. Damn, even with full integration, that shit is giving me a headache. I apologize, China responded. It is the most efficient way to communicate with other AIs. In addition, this AI is very, well, basic. More like a human child mind. A toddler, I believe is how you referred to them. Well, that's about Masters' maturity level, so they should fit just fine, Matthew joked. Hey, I think I heard that part, Masters complained. So do I start digging or what? If you will be patient, Shiner said, I will mediate the full integration process. Mediate? We didn't need that, Matthew stated. Yes, but we were willing. This AI has suffered some abuse by Pilot Masters and is hesitant in integrating, Shiner responded. Abuse? Are you fucking kidding me? The fucking thing tried to eat me, Masters said. No, the AI was just doing what it needed to survive, and survival at that time meant eating flesh. Your flesh, Shiner said. Oh, well, that makes it better, Masters quipped. So is this going to hurt? Only if you resist, Shiner answered. Masters stared at the cave-in. Well, let's get this show on the road then. If Jay and the Rookie are buried in there, then their air is limited, and I have no idea how long I was out or how long they've been trapped. Um, there's one other thing, though, Matthew said. Yeah? What's that? Once you are joined, you can't be unjoined without losing the mech's AI. That is not quite true, Shiner interrupted. Like I stated before, this AI is very basic. It has enough memory storage to keep itself intact, even if the pilot withdraws. Phew, Masters said. Close one. Who'd want to be stuck with a debtor forever? Matthew gave Masters a mental slap. Hey! fucking hurt, Masters exclaimed. Actually, it didn't. You just interpreted it as pain, Matthew responded. Which means you interpreted it as a slap upside my head, so how about we leave all interpretations to mine and Harlow's dance routines, shall we? Masters shouted. Now, can we get my head all cozy-cozy with this mech so I can dig some folks out? Shiner immediately gave the Hill Stomper AI a nudge, and it and Masters' consciousnesses fully integrated. Master Stomper shook his arms out and then his legs. He bounced up and down a bit, shaking the very earth he stood on, and if the mech had a head, he would have rolled it around on its shoulders like a prize fighter. Oh, I could get used to this, Masters crowed. This is fucking amazing! Yeah, it's pretty neat. Now, how about you dig Jay out so those of us that can't disengage from their mechs can at least hope to one day, Matthew said. Masters pushed his scanners deep into the rock, looking for signs of Jay's mech. We need to disconnect, Shiner stopped as a squawk of digital static slammed through its AI. Matthew cringed and the new mech stumbled. Too late? Matthew asked. Unfortunately, yes. While we can change course, Master Stomper is stationary. He has been located, Shiner answered. What do you mean, located? Masters asked. The outsider, Matthew responded. The who? Another presence. It created the relay net we're communicating over. Shiner sent all information to Master's Stomper. Whoa, that's not good, Master said. No, it's not. We're coming to you. It'll be a few hours, but we're on our way. I'll be here digging away. 
Masters assessed the cave-in, taking into the account the various sizes of rock and their positions. What do you think? Masters asked Stomper, but the AI remained silent. Come on, don't be shy. We're one big hulk of sexy metal now, so we better get to know each other. There was no reply. Okay, I'm sorry. I yelled at you and kicked your debtor ass before we became one. I was trying to survive, just like you. It hurt, Stomper responded. Hurt? Masters asked. Your anger hurt. Uh, sorry? So how do we get past this? We dig, Stomper answered. You think those two will be okay? Matthew asked Shiner as they continued sprinting across the wasteland. Masters can be a jerk, and that AI didn't seem very stable. They shall be fine, Shiner responded, pausing for a moment. And I do not think the word jerk is correct. Asshole would be more appropriate. Matthew laughed. Are you learning a sense of humor? You have a lot of happiness within your mind, so it isn't difficult to assimilate. The two stayed quiet for a moment before Shiner continued. Most of your happiness is associated with a Rachel. Who is Rachel? The boulders came away easily as Master Stomper worked their massive hands, grabbing and tossing the rock aside. Hey, do you think Max should dance? Masters asked. Stomper grew puzzled. I do not understand. Dance, you know, Master said as he executed an awkward heel-toe. The movement of the giant mech dislodged more of the cliff and half of their progress was lost. If dancing means to create more work, then no, I do not believe mechs or anyone should dance, Stomper said flatly. That was an accident, Master said. I, I think you'll like dancing. And wait until you meet Harlow! Rachel, hmm, can't you just pick her out of my head? Matthew asked. No, there is too much emotion connected. Most of the data is images, smells, impressions. There is very little that is hard fact, Shiner answered. Well, that's interesting, Matthew said. I guess that is the main difference between an AI mind and a human mind. There are infinite differences, actually, but that is a significant one, Shiner waited. So who is Rachel? Well, Rachel's the woman I love, Matthew said. Your mate? Matthew laughed. Wow, I never thought I'd have this conversation with a mech. What is a Harlow? Stomper asked. A Harlow? Well, a Harlow is a badass. She is the strength that keeps me going. I know from looking at me I seem like a tough guy, but inside, well... I guess you can see inside. But anyway, inside I'm pretty easygoing. I mean, I love a good mech fight, but honestly I'd rather be in bed with Harlow 24 hours a day than out here in the fucking waste. So Harlow is a person? She's a fucking goddess is what she is. I worship the ground that woman walks on. Okay, so I love Rachel and she loves me, but we aren't mates. At least not in the procreating sense. I, I mean, sure, I'd like to have kids one day, but you know, we're both young and, well, I don't know if a mech base is the best place for kids to grow up, Matthew said. Shiner processed. But according to the data, Rachel grew up in a mech base, Shiner stated. Okay, true, but she was born to be a mech pilot. 
and wouldn't your offspring be born to be mech pilots too? Well, yeah, no, well, maybe. It's just complicated. Stomper processed. Do mechs get a Harlow? Masters thought about this for a second. You hesitate, Stomper said. Is that a no? I have a feeling this is what it's like to have a kid, Masters laughed. I don't know if mechs can have a Harlow. I mean, no one gets my Harlow but me. I really don't know. This talking mech thing is, is new. I'd like a Harlow. She sounds safe. Masters burst out laughing. Why do you laugh? Stomper asked. Sorry, it's just funny that a 200-ton mech thinks Harlow would keep it safe. She'd fucking love that. You think the Outsider is sending troops against Masters? Matthew asked. Definitely, Shiner responded. Will we get there in time? Shiner calculated. No, more than likely not. Matthew sighed. That hill stomper isn't built for battle. A few well-placed missiles and it's crippled instantly. Yes, I am aware of that. However, from the data I scanned, I'd say Pilot Masters is quite capable of avoiding destruction. Yeah, that's true. He's pretty nimble on his feet. For the record, I'd like to say that I do not dance. Matthew laughed. Me neither. We leave that to Masters and Harlow. Master Stomper punched through the last bit of rock. The giant mech bent down as far as it could and turned its floodlights on the cavern. Well, there's the salvage mech, but there's no sign of Jay or the rookie, Master said, checking his sensors. We cannot fit inside there, Stomper stated. Nope, Masters responded. So we wait? Stomper asked. Yep, Masters said. Let's run more scans and see if they're deeper inside. Before Masters could initiate the scans, dozens of zombies poured from the cave. Shit, Masters said as the giant mech began to smash the zombies like ants. June awoke with a start as the bucket of water hit her face. Wakey, wakey, bitch, Chunks grunted. Time to play. June opened her eyes to find herself naked, dangling inches above the floor, her hands tied and arms strung up over her head. The boss stood by the doorway, a sly smile on his face. Now, Rachel, I'm not going to kill you. Why would I? He lifted a small vid cam to his eye, aiming it at June. You're way too valuable. Now, say hello to Daddy. The boss moved close as Chunks punched June in the stomach. You see, dear Rachel, the power structure needs to change. <laughs> I'm tired of living off scraps, the boss said, circling June as Chunks continued to hit her with quick jabs to the midsection. It's time for the UDC and you mechie assholes to share the wealth. The boss shut off the vid can. That'll be enough to get their attention, Chunks. He walked to the door and turned before leaving. I'm going to go have a chat with the senior Caprizi. He grinned at Chunks. Feel free to cut if you need to. Nothing permanent, but have a little fun. Chunks set a leather pack on the floor and slowly pulled several knives of various sizes and thicknesses out. June watched him closely. You like the pack? Chunks asked, turning it back and forth. June could immediately tell from the marks and tattoos that the leather was human, not synth. Took me a year to get the right strips together to make it. It's my baby. 
Chunks picked up a medium-sized knife, bone handle, double-edged blade, and approached June. Don't worry, bitch. I won't cut deep. He grinned and kissed the blade. But I may take a nipple. The boss hopped into an ATV waiting for him. Drive to the top of Bronner's Ridge. The young man driving nodded. Yes, boss. Keep your fucking mouth shut, the boss snapped. Just drive. The young man faced forward and stomped on the accelerator. The boss reviewed the footage on the vid cam, growing excited. Stop here. The ATV halted in front of a small shack. The boss got out and kicked in the door. The driver averted his eyes, but he could hear the screaming as the boss had fun with whoever was unlucky enough to be in the shack. June, battered, bruised, humiliated, ignored, forgotten, murder and blood on her hands and grief in her head, had had enough. You really are pathetic people, June said, gritting her teeth as chunks slashed out, cutting across her belly. He watched the blood well and smiled, placing a finger to the blood and licking it off the tip. Save your fucking breath, bitch. I'm gonna cut you no matter what you fucking say. Chunks slashed again, this time across June's thigh. She refused to cry out and bit down on the inside of her cheek, focusing on the pain, using it. The boss buttoned his pants as he left the shack, hopping back into the ATV. What are you fucking waiting for? Get us to the top of Bronner's Ridge. He casually wiped the blood from his knuckles. The young driver started to respond, but remembered himself and kept his lips tightly sealed. The boss leaned back into the ATV's seat and closed his eyes, taking a deep breath and sighing. It's moments like this that makes me glad to be alive. He opened his eyes, looking upon the dark wasteland as the ATV began to climb. It's good to be king. Chunks stepped back from June, surveying his handiwork like a painter does his canvas. You're pretty good with a knife, huh? June asked, her voice shaking with pain and anger. The best, Chunks grinned. You know what you're not good at, though? Chunks eyed June for a second. What's that, meat? Tying a decent fucking knot! June yanked her hands free from the bindings and dropped into a crouch on the floor. Chunks' eyes went wide with surprise, and he hesitated one second too long. June took advantage, kicking out with her left foot, shattering Chunks' left kneecap. Chunks went down hard on his shattered knee, the pain engulfing his brain. He crumpled to the floor, screaming, You fucking bitch! He watched the naked, bleeding pilot spring at him, and his head rocked back as first her right fist, then her left, connected with his face. She battered at him, and he tried to bring his hands up to defend himself, but she shoved him into the dirt and straddled him, pinning both arms against his torso. Her bloody nudity no longer excited him. Fear was all he knew as June's fist struck again, and again, and again. June had been so emotional at times she actually would see red. During her rookie train test, when she found out about Rachel and Maddie, when Steve grabbed her tit in the wasteland, but not while she unleashed on chunks. No, she was crystal clear. Fucking bitch, huh? She yelled. You can't think of anything more original, say, you stupid fuck? Each word was punctuated by her fist hitting Chunks' face. She kept at it until the only sound coming from the cannibal piece of shit was a wet gurgling as he began to choke on his own blood. 
stop here, the boss ordered. The young man did as he was told, and the boss stepped from the ATV and grabbed a large case from the back. He walked a couple feet from the ATV, set the case down, and surveyed the night sky. That would be north, right? He asked the driver. The young man trembled. Should he answer and risk death because he spoke, or should he stay silent and risk death for not answering? The driver chose to look up into the sky and stay silent. The boss nodded to himself, crouched, and opened the case. June stripped chunks, taking his clothes for herself. She finished lacing the boots and stood, looking down at the pathetic henchman. Want to know something? she asked. Chunks just choked and gagged on his own blood in response. She stepped to his knife case and pulled out a 12-inch skinner with a serrated back. I'm pretty good with knives, too. She straddled him once more, but this time facing towards his feet. Little Dick, why am I not surprised? Screams from the helpless were commonplace in the village, so June didn't worry when Chunks began to shriek as she started cutting. The boss finished setting up the transmitter array. Come here. The driver approached slowly. I'm not gonna fucking hurt you. Get your ass over here. The boss shoved the vidcam into the young man's hands as he moved quickly to his side. Push that button there when I say so. Only when I say so. The driver nodded. The boss sat himself in a folding camp chair in front of the array. He tapped at a small tablet, opening all comm channels. Greetings, mech base. This is the boss. Can you read me? The boss waited for an answer. Bishop? Bishop Weibel? I hate to disturb your sleep, Your Grace, but we are receiving a transmission over open channels from the boss, Deacon Montoya said. The bishop stirred from his slumber and sat up in Caprizi's bed that he had taken for his own. A cannibal? What does the boiler piece of trash want? Well, Your Grace, he wants to talk to Commander Caprizi. He says he has his daughter, Rachel. The bishop became fully awake instantly. Has his daughter? Well, doesn't this make things interesting? Can you transfer the feed to the monitor in here? Yes, Your Grace. The boss was more than surprised when the face of Bishop Weibel appeared on his tablet's screen. Well, I'll be dipped in horseshit, if it isn't the Archbishop's very own cock polisher. What the fuck are you doing there, Weibel? Boss, or do you actually have a civilized name now? The bishop sneered. You can call me God, you zombie-worshipping fucktard. Well, this is pleasant as always, Bishop Weibel sighed. What do you want, boiler? The boss flinched at the slur. Don't call me Boiler, he growled. The bishop ignored the boss. Tell me about the Caprizi woman. June moved from shadow to shadow until she reached the remains of Olivia's shack. Blankets had been hung to replace the missing wall, and June quietly slipped inside. Olivia, she whispered. Olivia. The older woman stirred upon the bed, and June heard the distinctive sound of a pistol being cocked. Tell me why I shouldn't kill your murderous ass. I'm truly sorry, but you can hate me later. Right now I'm getting you out of here, June said. Can't, Olivia laughed and swung her legs over the edge of the bed so June could see. The asshole took my feet. Before talking business, I'd sure like to know why I'm looking at you and not the commander, the boss said. The commander tucked tail and ran. 
The glory of God was too bright for him, so he retreated into the wasteland like the heathen coward he is. The bishop laughed. The base is now under the ownership of His Excellency, the Archbishop. The Archbishop's there now? The boss asked. He will be, Bishop Weibel answered, growing impatient. Now, about that business. The boss smiled, lacing his hands behind his head and leaning back. Play the vid, he ordered the driver. June found a tattered bag by Olivia's bed and began stuffing clothes into it. You don't need feet she said, handing the bag to Olivia as she picked up the woman and slung her over her shoulder. She felt the fatigue of the past few days and knew when the adrenaline wore off she was going to crash, and crash hard. June grunted under the strain but kept her footing and moved as quick as she could out of the shack and into the village. Okay, which way to the ADVs? she asked. Out past the fight pit, Olivia answered. The bishop stared at the image on the vid screen. Is this being recorded? He turned and asked Deacon Montoya. Yes, your grace, Montoya responded. Excellent, the bishop said, licking his lips, his face flushed. The vid ended and the boss appeared back on the screen. The bishop groaned with disappointment. So I was going to bargain with the commander directly, but I'm thinking now that you may be interested in this brat. Might help you get Caprizi to come crawling right back. Bishop Weibel grinned. That may be the only intelligent thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth. The boss ended the transmission and sighed. I'd say that went well, wouldn't you? The young driver stayed quiet. Oh, come on, you can speak. Don't you think that went well? Um, yes, boss, it, it did, the young man stammered. The boss stood and approached the driver. You did understand what I was saying, right? You understood the deal I made with the bishop? Yes, boss, I, I understood. The boss sighed. That's too bad, son. He pulled his blade from his belt and slashed the driver's throat. The young man crumpled to the ground, blood spurting across the wasteland dirt. June carefully set Olivia down next to an ATV and plopped next to her, struggling to catch her breath. She finally stood and helped Olivia into the ATV's passenger seat. You got your pistol? June asked. Olivia showed her the handgun. Good. Keep it ready. I'll be right back. Right, right back? Where are you going? Olivia asked, alarmed. There's more coming with us, June said. Olivia eyed her for a moment. You can't bring them children. We probably won't survive out there, she gestured out into the waste. They certainly won't. Maybe, but I'm going to give them a chance. The boss casually collapsed the transmitter array and set it back in its case. He tossed it into the ATV and rummaged around the back for a bit until he found what he was looking for. He walked over to the dead driver and placed a small cup to the corpse's throat, squeezing along the vein until the cup was half filled. Standing, he downed the blood in one big gulp, wiped his mouth, and tossed the cup away. All right, let's go get that bitch loaded up, he said aloud as he hopped into the ATV and started it up. The two children stared at June listlessly as she snapped the flimsy lock on their cage. I'm going to get you out of here, she said quietly. There's a better place for you out there, away from here. One of the two looked out into the waste. June cocked her head. You can understand me? The child, June wasn't sure if it was a boy or a girl, nodded slightly. 
Can you speak? The child shook its head no. Can you walk? The child nodded again. Good, June said as she reached in and scooped up the other child. Follow me. The boss whistled tunelessly as he got out of the ATV. He stepped into the shack, then into the back room. His whistling stopped immediately as he surveyed the scene. The first thing he noticed was the massive pool of blood. The second was the headless corpse in the blood. The third thing was the knife case with the words, Open me, written in blood, on the side. What the fuck? He growled. He snatched up the case and whipped it open. Inside was the head of Chunks, dead eyes staring up and cock and balls stuffed in his mouth. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Crest. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.